Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. David in his heart knew that it was wrong to come against the anointed of God. The reason why God forbid David, why it wasn't settling in his heart, was because Saul was anointed by the Lord. Now you might be thinking, well, I remember the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Well, yes, you're correct in that thinking because that's what the Word tells us and what it's told us. But that didn't change that God anointed Saul as king. As Pastor Eric continues his teaching series through the book of 1 Samuel, he'll be exhorting us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. Jesus was betrayed, hated, mocked, and crucified, yet Jesus prayed to the Father and asked Him to forgive them. Jesus is the perfect model of love, and we should imitate Him. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message entitled, Dealing with Your Enemies. We will see how a person should act toward their enemy which takes me to the definition of the word enemy. Uh, the word in our text in 1 Samuel chapter 24, in verse 19, the word enemy would be described as adversary or foe, one who hates. The word adversary can be defined as rival, uh, opponent, or opposition. And the word foe can be defined as opposer or challenger. Not easy people to deal with, right? Uh, People that are opposing you, those who are against you, who are in opposition, your adversary. uh, But how how do we deal with them? And so 1 Samuel 24 applies to you and I today. Uh, The chapter is dealing with how to react to your enemies, as I mentioned. And maybe you don't have enemies right now. Maybe you don't have enemies right now. Okay, use this passage as training. Use this passage as training. Uh, Maybe God is preparing you to minister to somebody that is dealing with somebody that is an enemy. Or maybe down the road, God will put an enemy (laughs) or allow an enemy, should I say, in your path. Uh, to test you, because God does test us. God tests us. He doesn't tempt you, but he tests us. And so uh, I can say amen to that, because I've been going through some tests myself. Uh, But by the grace of God, we can pass them, because he's an awesome God. If you are facing an enemy, please take note, because this is God's direction on how to deal with that enemy. Uh, Finally, in 1 Samuel 24, applies to all man and their relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, it's going to be an amazing chapter. These 22 verses are jam-packed with excitement and goodness as well. Verse 1, chapter 24, says this, Now it happened when Saul had returned from from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En-Gedi. Does that sound all right? Gedi? Or, or Getty. Um, okay, Getty. I like that better. Getty. Uh, and Getty. Th- then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks uh, of the wild goats. Verse 3. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went into a, into, uh, attend to his needs. 
David and his men were staying in the uh, recesses of the cave. And so here we're going to stop in the first three verses to look at some key observations. David was in the wilderness of En Gedi. Uh, the location was the wilderness of Judah, the western shore of the Dead Sea. Now Saul gets word that David was residing there. So he, he gets that word after the Philistine... Um, battle was over and so then he takes 3,000 men to go respond to where David and his men were at and so he arrives at these caves at the rocks of the wild goats and he takes care of his needs now when it says that he takes care of his needs he is referring to him sleeping he is going to take a rest so he's gonna he's gonna sleep So David and his men were located in the recesses of the cave where Saul was sleeping. Now, we're going to continue the story here. So get the idea. Saul's asleep. David and his men are right around and they could pounce on him. Okay? Verse 4. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord." Verse 7. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. So here in these verses, we see that David's men rejoice because it is a perfect setup, isn't it? Uh, Here is Saul, King Saul, the one who's been pursuing them from point A to point B to point C all over right? And here he is in a cave and he is resting. What a perfect time to come and take him out, to end this nonsense, to end this this enemy who is chasing us. David, we can take him out right now. And I'm sure that had to pump up David, right? Just to get that emotion going. It doesn't say that, but if it was me, I can imagine these guys are saying, this is what the Lord has done for you. Do what you think is good. And so he gets down there, David gets down there, and he cuts a, a piece of Saul's robe off. But then, did you guys see it? He felt bad. Why did he, why did he feel bad? I mean, because David arose like in ninja style and cut off Saul's clothing. He didn't even see it coming. He didn't even know that it happened. But David felt bad. The Bible says that his heart was troubled. Why was his heart troubled? Well, verse 6 tells us. It says that God forbid him to do this. Forbid means far be it from me. Forbid means... uh, God saying, let it not be. Here we see conviction of disobedience. God said not to touch Saul, and David touched him, touched the hem of Saul's garments. That was the conviction in the hearts. Now we don't see God specifically saying that to David, but David in his heart knew that it was wrong to come against the anointed of God. 
The reason why God forbid David, why it wasn't settling in his heart, was because Saul was anointed by the Lord. Now you might be thinking, well, I remember the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Well, yes, you're correct in that thinking because that's what the word tells us and what it's told us. But that didn't change that God anointed Saul as king. David displays his respect towards the authority who is placed over him. Now, this is amazing to see this all the way back in the Old Testament, back in the days of King David as a young man, to see him respect the authority that was placed above him. Now, Paul spoke about the same thing. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this uh, to the church in Rome. And it says this in Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Isn't it amazing? Isn't, I, I just found it just so, uh, uh, just so unique that King David, even though he was, uh, Samuel said that you're going to be the next king, he still had the respect of Saul, who is still currently in that position. It could have been easy for him to say, I'm rising up and I'm going to take my position today. Think about it, okay? You could eliminate King Saul and therefore you would then become king. But yet he doesn't do it. Paul goes on to say in Romans, if you resist the authority, judgment will be brought on those who resist. Now, of course, uh, in the thinking of as long as the authority is not causing you to go away from God and causing you to sin. And so if they're not, then we must respect the authorities that are placed above us. Now, that can be applied in your household, your job, your government, all the way across the board. Continuing on, David then restrained his men with these words. His men were like, why aren't you taking him out? Why don't you, why don't you take him, kill him, right? Verse 7 says that the, David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. Why? Because, again, Saul was the anointed one by God. He was anointed by God, okay? And so he's like, don't take him. We're not going to do him any harm. Well, then we see Saul wakes up and goes his way. And if you were one of David's men, wouldn't you be like, man, why didn't he do anything? Why didn't, why didn't he do anything? But yet they respected David's authority that was placed over them. Interesting. Continuing on in verse 8 through 15, let's continue in the story here. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and called out to Saul saying, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. Wow. Verse 9. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you uh, today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you. But my eye spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. No, and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. 
yet you hunt my life to take it. Verse 12, let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient, ancient say, says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Verse 15. Therefore, let the Lord be a judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So here we now see David spared Saul. He spared his life. He cut the corner of his robe. And now Saul gets up and he's walking out. And then he's like, hey, my Lord. Turning around. What? Are you talking to me? And recognizing that it's David, right? Saul looked behind him. And then as Saul looked behind him, David comes down to the ground and bows before him. What honor and respect for King Saul. A man that wanted, wanted and wants to kill him. He wants to take his life. But yet David humbles himself before his Lord, his master, the king his father-in-law. <laughs> he bows down, shows respect to Saul. David asks and he says, Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, indeed, David seeks your harm? Here we see a prime example of gossip, right? Gossip. Saul didn't talk to David. He didn't talk to David to see how, if he was actually seeking his life, Right? But instead, men around Saul were saying, hey, David wants to kill you. He wants to take you out. Why are you listening to him, Saul? Why are you listening to those guys? David then explains that I could have killed you just now. I could have just killed you. Look, here in my hand is a corner of your robe. Wow. That's intense, right? If you were sleeping and somebody snuck into your house and cut a piece of your pajamas off (laughs) and then said, hey, I could have killed you. Okay, well, some of us would have returned fire. (laughs) But some of us would be freaked out. Me. I'd be like, dude, thank you for not killing me. Can I have that corner back, please? No, I'm just kidding. So David explains that he could have killed him, but he explains why he didn't kill him. I didn't kill you because you are anointed by the Lord. So the respect that he had to Saul was actually David respecting God and honoring God. Furthermore, David asked the Lord to be the judge between them. Not what man says or thinks. Let the Lord judge. What does this mean? David said that he was not going to battle against Saul. If Saul continued to battle against David, David was going to let the Lord be his avenger, right? He's like, I'm not going to let the Lord judge, you know? But I'm going to trust that in verse 15, that the Lord is going to deliver me out of your hand. I'm going to trust that the Lord's going to do my battles with you. But I'm not going to come against you, Saul. He's being up front. He's being real and honest with the man who wants to kill him. 
David said he wasn't going to battle. How many of us, when we are attacked, when we feel threatened, that we just naturally lash out and start fighting back because that's what we are programmed to do? But here, David is saying, I'm going to let the Lord fight this battle. I'm going to let the Lord deliver you, deliver me out of your hand. Paul instructed the church in Thessalonica with these words. It goes right along with what we're learning tonight. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 6, that no, one, no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. So Paul is instructing the church in Thessalonica uh, to let the Lord be the avenger of all such. David himself, in one of his psalms, he wrote this in Psalm 35, verse 1. O Lord, with those who strive with me, fight against those who fight against me. David and his, and his prayers to God were so, uh, so uh, powerful. They're powerful because they're real. He spoke from the heart. How many times do you say, you know, I'm frustrated right now, or this is how I'm feeling, or I'm going through this tough time. Instead of coming to God with a religious prayer, be real with him because he knows your heart. And so David is just saying, you know what? You take out my enemies. You take them out. (laughs) Fight against those who fight against me. The next time you enter in a fight, maybe it's not a physical fight, but maybe it's a verbal fight. Let the Lord take care of that. You don't need to defend yourself. You have a God in heaven who is the great defender. Let him defend you. Continuing on in verses 8 through 15, David then speaks that proverb to Saul. And in this proverb, David is saying to Saul, Hey, look, if I was wicked, I would have already acted wickedly towards you in the cave. If I was wicked, I would have already been wicked and I would have killed you. But David concludes his message to Saul by saying, the Lord will be the judge and he will be the one who delivers me out of your hand. Again, you see the heart of David trusting in God and not in himself for deliverance. And he was just being pouring out his heart to Saul because he wanted Saul to know that he was not coming against him. Again, a communication is key in every relationship. We can oftentimes receive words and we get rubbed the wrong way. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm not coming against you. But you don't know that unless you come to me and find that out. We must communicate with one another. Matthew 18. For for believers, that's our instruction and what we should do. If somebody offends you, if there's a brother who offends you, the Bible says to go to that brother Tell them your faults against him. And, and if, you, if he listens, then you gain a brother. But it takes that first initial step. And here we see David taking that step. And he's communicating to Saul, I'm not out to get you, man. I'm not out to get you. If I was, I would have already killed you. Because I'm a ninja. I mean, he, he swooped in, man. Application. Most, in most people's eyes, David had the right to kill Saul. David had the right, but David chose not to to do it. Romans 12 tells us this. It should be on the screen. It says, but not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Please understand that David did not read Paul's writing in Romans. David had the heart of God. God spoke these words to David. This brings up a good word for human beings today. And this is amazing because as I was studying the word, I'm like, okay, is this for a message for believers? You know what? The Bible is a message for every man. Yes. Okay? Not just for believers, but for every single person who is breathing. Good word for human beings today. This is something to re- remember Truly, I believe. Just because it looks like you have the right doesn't mean that the right is the right thing to do. Don't justify sin to sin. Should I say it again? Just because it looks like you have the right doesn't mean that the right is the right thing to do. Don't justify sin to sin. I truly believe if I could tattoo anything... On my heart, Romans 12, 21 would be there. And I pray that God writes that on my heart so that it would bring to remembrance when I am dealing with those times when people are coming against me to remember this verse, but not overcome of evil, but over e- overcome evil with good. Because in my natural flesh, I want to lash out. In my natural flesh, I want to respond And it's not good when the flesh is involved. Continuing on in verses 16 through 22, we see the the response Saul gives to David. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Verse 20, and now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Saul recognizes that it's David And he speaks to him, and he starts crying. He wept. Saul is grateful for the mercy shown by David, and he recognizes that David is the next king. And he asks David, please don't cut off my descendants. Well, that's a pretty good guarantee because him and Jonathan were tight, right? They had that bond. They made that commitment before the Lord. They had that covenant relationship That covenant relationship that you are not going to, I'm going to have your back no matter what. Oh, how I long for the church to have more of these covenant relationships. David and Jonathan had a covenant relationship. So David says, yes, I'm not going to take out your, your descendants. David agrees and Saul goes home and David and his men went back to the wilderness where they were hanging out and staying. Here is the Bible's plan for dealing with an enemy. Show mercy to your enemy. 
There's so much more Pastor Eric would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel next time. You can order today's message for free by emailing us at info at gracetothehearers.com. Sometimes it's just easier to call. Our phone number is 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. You can learn more about Grace to the Hearers, Calvary Chapel Coolidge, and Pastor Eric at our website, gracetothehearers.com. All of Pastor Eric's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. Perhaps God spoke to you clearly through this message in 1 Samuel, and you need to review this message. Again, this message and many others are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Subscribing is easy. Log on to gracetothehearers.com and follow the link, or simply search for Grace to the Hearers on the iTunes store. From all of the production team here at Grace to the Hearers, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Grace to the Hearers.